Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. This is a podcast for those of us who are learning about ADHD, whether you have just started that journey or whether you've been doing it for lots of years. My name is Danae Cannon. I'm your host. I'm an occupational therapist. I'm a certified coach. I am a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I do have ADHD myself. So welcome to the Crash Course. We are in this together, and let's jump in. Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, we have Michael McLeod. And he is an ADHD executive functioning specialist. And he also has the Grow Now model for internal language, which is a really important piece of executive functioning. And we have him here today as a guest to tell us a little bit about that. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much. It's definitely a privilege to be here. Uh, Thank you for inviting me and for reaching out. Uh, My name is Michael McLeod. I am an ADHD executive functioning specialist and owner of Grow Now ADHD, which is a private practice located in the Philadelphia region. Uh, But we work with students all across the country and internationally. And what we do differently is we created this Grow Now model for strengthening executive functions, really based off of the most recent research on ADHD. So ADHD is really one of the most misunderstood disorders affecting so many students, affecting so many adults, uh, there's so many I- inappropriate labels. Even the name ADHD is a terrible name for ADHD. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's so important to educate others uh, and uh, discuss with others exactly what this disorder is truly all about, uh, what's truly happening internally, which creates what we see externally, and how we can help these students the best we can. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I find with my work, executive functioning skills and emotional regulation are two pieces that are like so much more impactful that don't always get touched when we're talking about ADHD and they're really big pieces of the puzzle. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm super curious. I did hear Michael speak at TIFOS. It's, is it the Executive Functioning Online Summit? Is that what it stands for? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. It's the acronym. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it was super good. And I forgot exactly the title of his talk, but really enjoyed it and thought it'd be super valuable for um, for my listeners to hear more about internal language, how we can work on that, what it looks like to work on that. So tell us a little bit about it, Michael. Tell us about working on internal language, because this is a toughie for ADHD. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this this phrase, internal language, is really something that I've coined to describe what's truly happening with ADHD and executive dysfunction. So in the past, ADHD was really looked at as this external behavioral-based disorder. This is why we have these misleading labels of attention deficit, hyperactivity, inattentiveness, and it was all things that we can see with our eyes externally. Kids who can't sit still, kids who can't focus, kids who are disinterested, kids who are lazy, Uh, And this whole concept of attention, attention deficit, it's really not about attention at all. And it's definitely not an attention deficit. It's an abundance of attention, Mm. having too much attention to give. So what's really happening internally that creates these external behaviors that we focused on so much in the past? So the executive skills that we look at, you know, we're not looking at time management, organization, all these external things that was the old focus of executive functions. Now we're looking internally at self-regulation. So regulating your emotions, your language, your body, your behavior in various environments towards various stimuli. I'm sure many parent listeners out there know about uh, self-regulation. 
for kids with ADHD and managing their emotions, especially when they're told to get off screens or to do a non-preferred task. Uh, and that leads us into the second one, self-motivation towards mm-hmm. non-preferred tasks. So something that's not instantly gratifying, being able to motivate yourself. And of course, in today's world, the biggest non-preferred task of them all is school and schoolwork and homework. So being able to self-motivate towards non-preferred tasks. The next is self-evaluation. So the ability to learn from past experiences and apply it to the present and not repeat the same mistakes over and over and over. And then overall self-awareness, where you're more aware of your actions and your behaviors and how they affect others and how they affect yourselves and being aware of your environment and being able to perceive your environment. These are all executive function skills. So these four executive functions, these foundational four pillars, self-regulation, self-motivation, self-evaluation, self-awareness, all of those skills are founded upon internal language. Mm -hmm. So all executive functioning starts with internal language. Uh, So it's very important to know the foundation of those skills. So internal language is two separate skills that need to work together in harmony. And those two skills are number one, nonverbal working memory, which Mm -hmm. more simply said is the visual imagery system of the brain, which is basically both our hindsight and our foresight. So it's our ability to re-image the past so we can make healthy and positive choices in the present and also the ability to visualize the future so we can know what the future looks like and what the future feels like so we can plan, prioritize, and problem solve for what's to come in the future. And that all is our mental movies and our, our movie theater of the brain, our DVD player of the brain, like Dr. Russell Barkley talks about. It's so important to be able to stop and inhibit yourself, like the old phrase, stop and think. So we stop and we visualize. We create a mental movie of what things are supposed to look like mm-hmm. and, what, and what things currently look like and what we learned from the past and what the future looks like. So the visual imagery system is foundational to executive functions. So being able to hold an image in mind, manipulate, see yourself moving through time and space and learn from past experiences. So it starts with mental movies. And then as we have those mental movies, we have to talk to ourselves. So we know what the future looks like. Then we say, okay, if the future looks like that, then right now I need to do this. So verbal working memory is the second part of internal language, and that is the self-talk system. So it starts with mental movies where you visualize and then you talk to yourself as you're creating these movies. So really, verbal working memory is just the ability to talk to yourself and have an internal dialogue and an internal system of checks and balances and to talk to your brain. So in the past, we looked at these ADHD kids as kids who were lazy, disinterested, hyperactive, but really they don't have the internal coach, the internal brain coach that neurotypicals have. They can't can't talk to themselves to self-regulate and self-cope and see what's happening in the environment and see what everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. so that they can do what everybody else is doing. So this ability to visualize to themselves and the ability to talk to themselves is internal language and that's really what's missing in these kids. Right. When you talk about that, what I imagine is maybe like the foundational piece of 
the mental movies and imagining it's like, I know already, even with the adults that I work with, this is tough. Imagining your future self, imagining what's next. Um, it's part of what makes breaking things down so difficult is not being able to like kind of picture the end or even picture the future. So what are ways that if this really isn't available to somebody, they strengthen it or work on that? Yeah. So, you know, just like any other muscle, you know, you want to get your arms stronger, you want to get your legs stronger, you work them out, you have to practice using them. Mm -hmm. And that's really how the human body works. It's how the brain works. You know, you want to learn a new language, you practice every day, you learn a new language, you want to learn to play a new sport, you practice every day, you know how to play a new sport. So the more that these things are practiced, used, and felt success with. So mm -hmm. if a student practices creating what the future looks like in a structured environment, you know, with a therapist or a neutral third party, it's very hard to do with parents because yeah. of the, the, emo <laughs> the emotions involved there and things like yes. that. It's always good to find a counselor or a therapist or someone. Uh, so to practice these skills one-on-one -on -one where you're visualizing the future and you're acting out what's to come and you're gesturing through it, you're figuring it out, you're talking to yourself out loud, modeling it, that's really what our therapy looks like. It's, you know, mm -hmm. executive functions aren't strengthened by sitting at a desk and doing worksheets and doing things from teachers pay teachers and writing in an agenda right. and those sorts of things. You have to get up and you have to move and you have to figure things out. You have to plan, go through an activity, all of those things. And the more these things are practiced, the more you're able to use them in the natural environment. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense. And I think a lot of times people with ADHD, we're looking for the magic system, the magic organization or time management, whatever. And when it's really, it could be a myriad of things, right? It's depending on who you are, there is no magic system. And also with ADHD, you get tired of your system. So like really having that foundation of why this is working for you, what you're going towards is more key than the magic planner. I hate that for everybody. I know we want to buy our planners, but of course, right? Yeah you, yeah. you can create all these external systems. You can have star charts, agendas, whatever it may be. You can have these alarm clocks, all of these things. You know, the name of the game when it comes to ADHD and executive functioning is a lack of independence. So they don't have these, they don't have these internal skills of visual imagery and self-talk, which allows them to regulate and motivate. So they're so reliant on the outside world to do the executive functioning for them. And right. that tends to fall on the shoulders of the parents. So parents are super stressed and all the research being done on being a parent of a kid with ADHD, it's incredibly distressing. It's really, really hard. Absolutely. Uh, so it's, it's super hard for these parents because you're being the executive functioning for yourself and the executive functioning for your child. Right. Uh, so, you know, the, the biggest thing to remember is whatever prompts you're giving them, whether it's a morning routine, whether it's getting their homework done, whether it's getting off of screens, you need to focus on helping fade back those prompts over time. So your child becomes more independent. You want them to have the internal skills so they can say to themselves, you know what? I've been playing Minecraft for five hours now. It's time to go do something else. Yeah. Or, Hey, if I get my homework done now, I'll have more fun, more time for fun later. Or, mm -hmm. hey, uh, I need to really speed things along in this, in this morning routine because it's really upsetting my parents who drive me to school. Or I'm going to miss the bus again, and I don't like that feeling. I have to work towards something else. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, helping them develop these internal skills so that they're self-cueing and they're giving the prompts to themselves instead of you constantly prompting them, that's really what we have to focus on.
Right. That makes sense. And so you were talking about how not only are these mental movies for the future, but they're for the past to kind of assess what went wrong. This happens a lot, even with uh, working with adults. It's something so we just, I didn't do the thing. And it's like, okay, well, tell me about it. Like what jammed you up? What was it? Like, instead of being really hung up on not doing the thing, getting curious about oh, where did it break down? You know, not that important. Was there something you didn't plan for? Just kind of figuring out what happened is that the same process you're doing with the kids yeah of course yeah yeah you really want to uh look back on past experiences and learn from past experiences both positive and negative mm -hmm. so you want to think of times that they were successful and use the tasks and the strategies and what they did in the past that was successful and help them learn from it so they can repeat it and you also want to go back into the past to see things that weren't successful you do want to find the breakdown but even most importantly, you want them to remember the feeling. So uh. it's so important for them to look back at a time that they were unsuccessful and things didn't go their way and focus on how did that make you feel? How did you feel when that person didn't want to be your friend? How did you right. feel when you got a zero on that test? How did you feel when you lost your phone for a couple of days? They have to remember the feeling of how it was because they'll forget it and they'll move back to the present moment. So the, oh, okay. ADHD, the ADHD brain is really stuck in the moment. What's yeah. most gratifying in the moment? So that lack of visual imagery, the nonverbal working memory, mm -hmm. where we use our hindsight and our foresight, is so weakened that these kids are really stuck in the now. They're stuck in the present moment. They're not learning from the past. They're not forecasting into the future. They're stuck in the moment, which is why so many of these kids have screen addictions and video game addictions. Because nothing's more gratifying in the moment than a video game or a screen Absolutely. or a YouTube or yeah. watching a video of somebody else play a video game. Whatever is gratifying uh, because they're not thinking, oh, I can't do this for five hours. I have other things to do. Mm -hmm. Or last time I did this, I hurt myself or whatever or, or whatever it may be. Or I, I made things bad for myself, whatever it is. Uh, so helping them to uh, use information from past experiences and how it makes you feel because they'll forget about it. They'll move on right. to something else more gratifying. So the feeling is what drives the motivation. So it's more important than just teasing out what went wrong. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like it's much more of a motivator. Oh yeah. 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 You have, you have to drive the motivation. Absolutely. Right. And so then that's that working memory piece. And then, you know, then you're adding the internal language, the, that you mentioned the second piece of this or are they kind of happening at the same time? Yeah. So, so internal language is the working memory. Oh, so, okay. in, so, so internal language is nonverbal and verbal working memory and teaching them to work together in harmony. So mm -hmm. you're visualizing and you're talking to yourself with the visuals. So they're working together. So the and verbal it, and the nonverbal are happening at the same time. Right? Exactly. Cause okay. with ADHD, both systems are weakened and disconnected. Uh, so if kids with ADHD are visualizing to themselves, if they are talking to themselves, they're probably visualizing their favorite YouTube video or their favorite game. And that's why you tend to see these kids, you know, pacing back and forth and talking to themselves and, you know, mouthing different words, those sorts of things. Uh, it looks, you know, it, it looks more like, like an autism behavior of something you see of kids walking back and forth, acting things out. But kids with ADHD do it as well. Uh, so they'll focus specifically on preferred tasks and things that are gratifying to them. If they are talking to themselves and they are visualizing, it's those sorts of non-helpful, non-productive things. They're not coaching themselves to actually change their behavior. Right, right. And that makes sense. And it 
throughout your lifetime, right? Like that's not necessarily just kids. It's definitely, you see that with adults too. Like I just spoke with somebody who said, I really want to make good decisions for future me. I can't seem to pull the trigger on them. Like I can't seem to do the thing that I know I'm going to be glad I did. Yep. Yep. And that, and that's really executive, that that's the task initiation piece of uh, executive functions. So it, you know, probably they're not realizing uh, that those things are good for future me in the moment. It's not until five, six, seven hours of video games and screens where they look back and say, hey, I really should have gone outside. I really should have ridden bikes. I really should have gotten my homework done. Really? I yeah. really should have gotten my chores done. I should have walked my dogs, those sorts of things. Uh, so it's so important to really be able to stop, think, call on your working memory in the moment. So before you get stuck in that gratifying task, and this is why parent coaching is so important. Yeah. You know, parents need to learn how to have screen time structure in the home. That's parents a biggie one. That's yeah. really tough. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I can, there's more of a vulnerability with ADHD. Absolutely. And, you know, parents, you know, really need to get into the mindset of non-preferred before preferred. So get the homework done, get the chores done, get the outside play, get the exercise Sign them up for clubs after school, sign them up for the YMCA, get them in karate, get them in Boy Scouts, get them in all the things they don't want to do at first, but are happy once they get comfortable there. So sign them up for all those things, keep them busy, keep them away from the screens and the games, you know, use that as something that's only available to them after the non-preferred is completed. So if, if, if you allow a student with an ADHD or executive dysfunction brain to get stuck in such a gratifying task, the non-preferred is never going to get done. Yeah. So get these kids in the mindset, you know, build the brain pathways where they learn. Let's get the boring stuff, the difficult stuff, the challenging stuff done first before I spend hours doing my thing. Right. And that makes sense. Even when you just think about rewards and the ADHD brain wants the rewards, those far out rewards are not so motivating, right? So if it is a- oh, yeah in the day, in the unit of the day or whatever, it's a lot more motivating to be able to say at this before this versus like, oh, in three weeks, we're going to do X, Y, Z. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's part of uh, ADHD is it really limits the time horizon or mm -hmm. how far into the future they're able to see. So you do want to have more distinct and more direct consequences, whether they're a positive or negative consequence. So people hear the word consequence and they think of only just negative things. There's yeah. also positive consequences. So you want to have a positive consequence and a negative consequence really in the moment where they get their homework done, they move on to something good, you know, they went out and played, they move on to something that they like. You want to have more direct and more instant positive and negative consequences. Right. Um, now, I know this is obviously internal language impacts emotional regulation, which is a big big piece for all of us with ADHD. Any thoughts, wisdom to share with us about how this impacts emotional regulation, what we can do about it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, self-regulation is really the foundation of this disorder. Uh, mm -hmm. It's much more of a self-regulation disorder than it is about attention or yeah. hyperactivity or inattentiveness. This is truly self-regulation deficit disorder. And parents know this better than, than anybody else. Uh, so it's that management of emotions, and it comes from the lack of internal language. So they're stuck in the present moment, and all they're focused on is, is in the moment. They'd rather get into a three-hour fight with mom than do five minutes of homework. Yeah. You know, they, they'd rather feel the power rush and the thrill 
of being able to manipulate mom's emotions and have her go from happy and calm to yelling and screaming and crying than do five minutes of homework because they get that power rush from that in the present moment. Uh, so the inability to learn from past experiences and take times of success and apply it to the present and also the inability to forecast into the future. The, like I said before, these kids are stuck in the now. They're stuck in the present moment. And sometimes the most gratifying thing in the moment is to manipulate your parents' emotions and right. to have them focus on you. You know, kids with ADHD get pro probably even more of a thrill and more of an intrinsic motivation for negative attention than positive attention. You know, sometimes they, you know, they love having their parents put all of their focus on them, whether they're screaming at them about not taking a shower or being on screens for too long or not doing homework, you know, getting that instant gratification thrill of my parents are focused solely on me. She's right. not, my mom's not doing her thing. She's yelling at me. She's focused on me. And you're getting all these attention and all these words and all these, uh, you know, all these directions and monologues and everything's focused on me. And they're getting a thrill from that. Right. Uh, and, that is, and, that definitely tracks, you know, that, that intensity. It's like seeking out the intensity. So advice for parents that are yeah. loving that. So parents, really what you want to learn to do is use 90 to 95% less language. So when you notice your kid is dysregulated, you're going to want to, you know, take a reset and explain to them, you know, what their choices are. You can either get your homework done or you can lose your phone. You can get your homework done or you can... Uh, lose your Xbox, you know, whatever it may be. You can go outside and play with friends. You can do this, you can do that. You know, give them the choices and walk away. And anytime you can create visuals, write things down, make pictures, print them out, laminate them, use visuals, use gestures, like having both your hands up in a, you know, calming motion, but never get into that verbal back and forth, that argument vortex. You never want to get into that verbal back and forth with these kids because they love it. That's exactly yeah. what they you want. You don't want to they, pick up the rope. It's not, it, it doesn't. That's exactly it. Well. Um, yeah. and that, I mean, really like to sit back with that 90%, that's a big number, right? Like 90% less. And I know, yep. especially those of us who have ADHD, we're parenting kids with ADHD, which probably a lot of us, right? That that takes some self-awareness too, to talk a lot less, say a lot yeah. less. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we want our kids to grow and it's going to take time for them to grow and mature. And it's going to take time for us as parents to get used to these parenting techniques. Uh, so, you know, we, we expect a lot out of our kids. We should expect a lot out of ourselves. Uh, so, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of time and practice for us to get used to not using so many words. You know, us as parents, you know, uh, to us, it's so obvious. And we see that we see the child making the wrong decision. And we think we can just use our words and the kids are going to say, uh-huh, that's it. Nice. Right. It's logic. Right. Yeah, the, and it's not. Not at all. These kids need to feel life for themselves. They need to feel natural consequences. They're not going to take your words to change their behavior. Uh, they need to feel it for themselves. Uh, and they need to feel the consequences that you place on them. Whether you take away their screens, take away their games, whatever it may be, they need accountability. They need more accountability than your neurotypical child. Um, so practicing using less words and just having distinct and natural consequences. If you have to walk away from your child, put headphones on, go to a safe place, do whatever you need to do. Let them know this will be discussed in 24 hours. You're going to have to go through some hard times until your child learns, Hey, I can't manipulate mom the way I used to. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure it gets worse before it gets better with that. Yeah, it sure does. That's it sure does. Now, what about 
eh, thoughts for educators um, using some of these ideas and, and how you integrate that in a classroom? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, you know, obviously in the schools, you know, uh, a lot of what teachers do is, you know, schools go off of that lecture listen model where mm -hmm. you're providing a lecture, kids have to listen and they have to regurgitate it back onto a test. You really want these kids to really uh, dive deeper into the material and get a feel for it and bring their emotions into it. So before class starts, ask them to make a couple of predictions about what they think is to come. Ask them to make a mental movie of what they think the class is going to look like, what they think they're going to learn, and help them to visualize what you're learning. You don't want them to just, just take rapid notes, study their notes, and that's it. We want them to be, be able to create mental representations in their head of the material. So the more you can take the time and use visuals, use pictures, have them do group work where you pair them in groups and they describe the material to, to each other. I'm picturing this. What are you picturing? What's happening? You know, mm. ask these questions that get them to think using declarative language, reflexive questions. You know, ask them these questions that it's not just a right or wrong answer. You know, this is the correct way to this. Have them walk through it step by step in terms of what they're visualizing, what they're mm -hmm. seeing, and how they're coaching themselves to really grasp this topic. Right. Now, when you say declarative language, um, what do you mean by declarative? Because I'm picturing like, I declare the, yep, yep, yep. the war so, happened. So this, That's so the this book right here, The Declarative ah. Language Handbook by, by Linda Murphy. Uh, so okay. This is a great parenting book uh, that really helps parents change the way they use language uh, it, it, with their child to help them visualize and use language. So the, the opposite of declarative language is imperative language. Like, for example, go and get your coat. That's imperative. You have to go and get your coat. Or you can say something like, hmm, I'm wondering how you're going to feel when you go outside because it's really cold outside. That's uh -huh. declarative language. So it's, it's taking your wondering, what you're wondering about, and externalizing it. Like if a kid is learning to pack his own lunch, I'm wondering how you're going to feel at lunch tomorrow. I'm wondering what you're going to be in the mood for. I'm wondering what you're going to need tomorrow at lunchtime. And that triggers the student to think, mm, okay, tomorrow at lunch, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to need my food. Let me go put my lunch together. Uh, so it's imperative language is keeping the child prompt dependent on you. Which we do a lot of, right? Yep. Like that's a lot yep. of, I can say myself. Like Absolutely. Yeah. So, so finding ways to use declarative language and externalize what you're thinking about and what you're wondering about helps the student to understand uh, how your brain works, how your brain wonders, how your brain figures things out and teaches them to do it themselves. Mm, okay. And so the kids using that, you're talking about the example of in the classroom, using that declarative language to immerse themselves more in the subject matter. That they're talking Absolutely. About. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a great tool for parents and educators. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's good. So the book again, well, I'll link that too, because that sounds yep, like really right here. Declarative language handbook by Linda Murphy, speech and language pathologist. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for sharing all about internal language with us. I'm sure people will want to know what you're doing, you know, work with you, get in touch with you. How can they do that? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my website is grownowadhd.com. Grownowadhd is also my Facebook page. You type right in grownowadhd, one word, grownow. Also on Instagram, grownowadhd. So follow me on Instagram. Uh, go to my website. My email is mike at grownowtherapy.com. Uh, we provide one-on-one -on -one executive functioning coaching, parent coaching. And I also train school districts and schools. So I train public schools, private schools, charter schools, 
in the GrowNow model for executive functions, helping the staff to become certified in the GrowNow executive functioning model. So I've trained schools and school districts and educators all across the country and internationally. We provide virtual services and in-person sessions to students and families. So definitely reach out if you're interested and want to learn more about executive functions and going off of this, this research. Uh, and I'll be happy to chat with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Definitely. We'll have all those links in the show notes. So you didn't have to like stuff that all in your head. If you were listening, I'll have it so you can easily see what, what Michael's doing. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. <laughs>